Make sure to listen at the end for a message from the author. Sidewalk Audio and PatioBooks.com presents The Prince of Hazel and Oak A podcast novel by John Lenahan Book 2 of the Shadow Magic series Read by the author Chapter 23 Repookulated The Pookalans quickly became repookulated. It must not take much hazelnut to help a pooka remember how to stand on two legs. Because everywhere I went, I saw formerly fur-covered people being led back to their homes looking kind of dopey. I spoke to Ton, and he said when pookas are lost, it takes them a while to start thinking like a person again. I saw one woman lick her hand and then wash her cheek like a cat. Ton hosted a dinner for us in his modest house. Believe it or not, he cooked salmon. That's what I just don't get, Brendan said between mouthfuls. You guys in the land just go up to a bunny or a fish and say, could you please die for me? And then they do? We are not as flippant as that, Araf answered. Asking for an animal's life is a skill that must be learned, but that is essentially what happens. Why on earth would an animal agree to that? Brendan asked. Because they know they will be born again, Ton said as if talking to a five-year-old. Well, how do you know that? This question stumped Ton as if Brendan had asked, how do you know the sun shines? That is what they tell me the puka said. Why should I doubt them? It was nice having a boy's night. Ton had invited the turdlow, but he said he would rather sit alone and wait for his beloved to return from the dinner that she was having with Neve and the queen. Brendan, who usually sticks up for the banshee, called him henpecked. I, on the other hand, thought maybe turdlow had the right idea. Perhaps if I had paid more attention to Essa, I would be doing something other than talking bull with guys and laying the groundwork for a hangover. Saying that, it was a delightful evening. The food was good, and Ton produced a couple of bottles of some lovely puka mead-like stuff that had milk or cream in it. I almost asked if the milk came from regular cows or pukas that were cows, and then decided I didn't want to know. It was stronger than it tasted, and it loosened Ton's tongue until I asked him how much hazelnut it takes to make a puka remember that he has feet instead of paws. Ton clammed up and said that was not information that should be discussed outside of the clan. Don't worry, puka brother, I told him. Remember, I'm Baruch, and Brendan here is my closest advisor. Any puka secrets you tell me or him will go no further than this room. I'm an advisor, Brendan said. When did that happen? And you can tell Raph anything, because he never speaks, I said, patting the imp on the back. Isn't that right, Prince Raph? The big guy gave me one of his hallmark blank stares. See? Anyway, what's the big secret, Brendan asked. So you need hazelnuts. Pukas need hazelnuts, and cops need doughnuts. Do doughnuts come from dough trees? Ton asked. Never mind, I said. But Brendan has a point. 
Why keep it such a secret? Because it's a weakness, Ton said, crouching down as if someone was overhearing him. If others were to realize our dependency on Hazel, then they would use it to exploit us. Well, it seems to me that somebody already has. Brendan said in such a matter-of-fact way that everyone looked at him a bit shocked. Explain, Ton demanded. Will Connor told me that no one knows why the Hall of Knowledge was destroyed. It seems obvious to me that somebody wanted to take the pukas out of the equation by destroying all the hazel trees. They almost succeeded. My gods, I thought. It was so obvious. Why didn't I see it before? Ton was unconvinced. But no one knew of our need for hazelnuts except Connor's grandfather. Are you sure about that? Brendan asked. The one thing I know about secrets is that there's no such thing. Somebody else always knows. Who? Ton demanded. Someone who's a master of ancient lore, I said in a dreamy voice as I thought out loud. Someone who will do anything to get his own way. Oh, Araf said. Who? Brendan and Ton asked together. I had to take a slug of puka shine before I could even say the name. Kiolti. That kind of killed the happy party mood of the evening, but it didn't stifle the discussion. We all eventually agreed that if the Hazellands was destroyed to stop the pukas from getting the hazelnuts, then that meant the Hall of Knowledge was once again in peril. We should inform Dahi, Araf said. Inform him of what? A woman's voice asked from the doorway. It was Aunt Neve, followed by Essa. We filled the ladies in on our epiphany. At first they thought it was just drunken ramblings, but then they asked more questions. Soon they thought it was a pretty good theory, too. We should talk about this on our walk, Neve said. Good idea, Brendan replied, jumping up to join her. You two have a walk planned? I asked as I gave a questioning glance to Essa. The tilt on her head implied that she knew something that I didn't. The walkers just smiled. Brendan came back into the room to pick up his jacket from the floor beside me. As he leaned down, I whispered, And what's all this, then? It's a walk, he replied with a smile. I have a choice between sitting here and listening to you whine or walking the moonlight with a beautiful woman. Hmm. Let me think on that for a second. He grabbed his coat and they left. I turned to Essa. So I suppose you're off to join your snuggly banshee? Actually, she said, plopping down on the cushion next to me, what I really could use is a drink. I jumped up and got her a glass. Ton poured her a measure of puka shine and she downed it in one. Then she smiled at me and said, Can I have another? I took this to be a very good sign. I really could have used a lion in the morning, but Ton got me up to meet with the queen so I could tell her about our theory of the night before. After that, I had to give a briefing to the entire council. A few pukas got a bit hot under the collar when they found out that Ton and I were talking freely about hazelnut dependency in front of outsiders. But I told them that my companions had figured it out by themselves, and if our theory was correct, then the cat was out of the bag anyway. 
Then I spent another 20 minutes trying to explain what an old expression was and why a cat was in a bag in the first place. In the end, they came around and decided that there should be a puka presence with Dahi's army at the Hall of Knowledge. The queen pledged a small detail comprising of a handful of puka bear soldiers, a courier wolf, and a puka hawk for reconnaissance. Aunt Neve agreed to escort the puka recruits back to the Hazellands. I would really like it if you came with us, I said to my aunt after the meeting, and I think Brendan would too, I said, testing her reaction. She didn't return my smile. She didn't really look very happy at all. I have a duty to your mother and to Dor. I have too long been too far away. Escorting the Pukas needs to be done, and Castle Dor should not be left without one of the family. Then she smiled, took my face in her hand, and kissed me on the forehead. When I was young, I worked on a spell that would allow me to be in two places at one time. I only ever succeeded in giving myself a headache. I wish now I had worked harder. Be careful, nephew. Find a cure for my brother and come back safe. Now, I must tell Brendan. Yeah, I said, what's going on with you two? She smiled and gave me a very unneve-like girly shrug and then practically skipped away. That night I was invited back to the Queen's sitting room for tea. My son Ton has asked me if he could be your group's guide to the end of the Brownie Peninsula. Is this agreeable with you? Yes, ma'am. I really like Ton. He is very fond of you, Prince Connor. May the gods take care of you both. I'm sure we'll be fine. Well, she said in a knowingly motherly tone, just to be sure, I am sending a bear with you. If you insist. I do, she said in a voice that made it clear I would have been an idiot to discuss the matter further. How you reach Togtine Island, I cannot counsel you on. Don't worry about it. I'm a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of guy. We'll figure it out. The next few minutes were spent in talking about what my pants had to do with anything. I would be happier if the Banshee were not with you, the Queen said. What have you got against Turlow? You suspect that the Banshees from the Reedlands destroyed the Hall of Knowledge, do you not? I do. Then how can you trust a member of that race? A member of your race tried to eat me a couple of days ago. Should I distrust the Puka? My father told me that Banshees were some of the most loyal guards he had ever known, and one of the finest persons I have ever known was a Banshee. The queen raised her hand and I stopped. Banshee loyalty is well known, son of Dor, but in the past, too many Banshees have been loyal to your uncle. Can you honestly say that Kielti will bother Tirnanog no more? I started to say something, then shrugged. She had a point. She reached across and touched my cheek. You remind me so much of your grandfather. I didn't peek, honest. She smiled at that, a smile that charmed me as much as I'm sure it charmed my grandfather. 
Liam, too, voiced his opinions passionately, but he was more stubborn than you. He refused to let Dahi put soldiers in the Hazellands, and that stubbornness eventually killed him. Make sure you do not allow your pride to stop you from what you truly think should be. I wasn't sure what she was talking about, and obviously it showed on my face. Let Essa know how you feel. Oh, I said, leaning back in my chair. Well, Essa's... Well, Essa's a difficult woman. The best ones always are. As a matter of fact, that is what your grandfather used to say. She reached under her chair and produced a plain wooden box. Liam gave me this years ago. I would like you to have it. She opened the box. Inside, on a bed of satin, was a throwing blade with a green glass handle inlaid with gold wire. It was identical to the one that contained the message and was thrown at Brendan on Mount Cass. I picked it up and admired it. As you can see, I have never used it, she said. The tip is still very golden. Do you know where my grandfather got this? Dahi, she said. It was one of two that he made. Liam told me that Master Dahi gave him one, and the other he gave to his true love. You have been listening to The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. You can hear more of their fabulous music at www.lunasa.ie. That's L-U-N-A-S-A dot I-E. You can learn more about Shadow Magic and its author on www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Shadow Magic, book one of the series, is available from HarperCollins in paperback, EPUB, and Kindle formats. Hello, John Linehan here. I'm aware that uh, when you listen to a podcast, that uh, unlike a book, you can't really tell how far into the story you are. So I thought I'd uh, interrupt this week and tell you that The Prince of Hazel and Oak is 43 chapters long, which means we're halfway through. I'd like to also take this opportunity to thank all of you who have uh, voted uh, with that star system that's on patiobooks.com. So many of you voted for Shadow Magic that it became the number one patio book. So if you like Hazel and Oak, please be sure to throw a vote in there. It helps other listeners find my work. I'd also like to thank everybody that emailed me. Uh, your comments make it easier for me to sit down and write every day. I'd especially like to thank the people who are making comments on the message board from Patio Books uh, on Hazel and Oak. Lots of people have been writing in and kind of trying to guess what happens in the next week, and 
it's been a delight to read. Finally, I'd like to thank everybody that bought the paperback of Shadow Magic. Uh, your purchases was one of the reasons why HarperCollins this week uh, has offered me a contract for books two and three. So thank you all very much. And as always, thanks for listening.